the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful Saturday and uh, hope you're having a blessed uh, week. And uh, as we approach, of course, the reason uh, for the season, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and Christmas and celebration of his awesome first coming and uh, what we all as humanity have benefited from his life, his ministry, his suffering, and of course, uh, the gift uh, that we receive, which is by grace, by faith, uh, gift of salvation. Uh, last week, we started it basically this new series on our Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, I wanted to contrast and compare the Islamic view of who Jesus is compared to what the Bible teaches, of course, and our understanding of the person of Christ. And uh, we gave an overview, and we will continue today with that overview, about uh, who is Jesus uh, in Islam, starting with basically comparing the birth narrative between what the Scripture shares uh, as an example, for instance, in the Gospel of Luke, compared to what the Quran talks about the birth narrative as we read it in chapter 19 of the Quran, chapter 19 of the Quran, known as the chapter of Mary or Maryam. That's the name of the uh, the Arabic name for uh, the mother of Jesus is Maryam, just like you say the name Maryam for the sister of uh, Moses, which, by the way, uh, the Quran actually made the mistake by claiming that Maryam, the mother of Jesus, or Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the sister of Aaron and Moses. But that's a different story. Nevertheless, uh, we began to talk about some of the things that distinguish Jesus uh, in the Scripture and compare that to the teaching of the Quran. Continuing with that, um, what we need to look at is that Jesus, according to Islam, is a prophet, and that his name is Isa, and he was given a book called the Injil, which is the, uh, the word for gospel. Okay, and um, as previous, as basically uh, with the previous prophets, according to Islam, that came before Jesus or Isa, uh, his revelation, Jesus's revelation, verified the truth found in the books before it. In other words, Jesus's Injil verified the truth found in the Torah. Uh, we read this in chapter three of the Quran, verse forty-nine, chapter five, verse forty-six, chapter six, one, verse six. And, uh, of course, it, made the, it makes the claim that Muhammad now and his book, the Quran, also came to verify the truth that was found in the books before it, including the Injil or the Gospel. That's where the problem begins to rise for a Muslim person. How can the Quran verify the truth that is found in the Gospel, for instance, when the Quran teaches completely the opposite of what the Gospel teach? 
And usually the Muslim response would be, well, because your Bible has been corrupted. So that always leads, uh, lends itself to the idea of the corruption and dis, uh, discarding, uh, basically, uh, the authority of the Scripture. So you need to be mindful of that. And you need to be aware always with ways to defend the authority of God, not just from the Bible only, but from even outside sources. In the future, we'll talk about some of those, like archaeology, uh, manuscript evidence, uh, historical writings by non-Christians, and so on and so forth. So um, it, the Quran supposedly makes the claim that uh, Isa's Injil, or Jesus's Injil, according to the Quran, somehow was lost in its original form, and therefore today's uh, book, who is the guide to what Jesus' teaching was, is only the Quran. You know, if you want to know what Jesus taught, that's basically what it says. Then you have to go to the Quran. Therefore, you will know and see what the, what Jesus actually taught. In other words, Jesus, according to the Quran, never claimed to be the Son of God, never claimed that God is the Father, never claimed to uh, basically um, have a divine power. He's a, a divine, 100% divine in his nature. Uh, the Quran denies that Jesus was crucified and so many other things. Now, the biography of Jesus, according to the Quran, entails things like, uh, that uh, Isa, or Jesus, is called the Messiah. Now, if you ask a Muslim, what does the term Messiah, or the title Messiah, means? I don't think you're going to get an answer for this, because simply the Quran doesn't elaborate further on what does that mean. Now, you go to a commentaries, and the commentaries on these particular passages give you all kind of opinions. For instance, one of them will say, for instance, he's called the Messiah because it's from the Arabic word Masah, which means to wipe. Well, he wiped away, uh, basically, illnesses or wiped uh, uh, off, basically, uh, diseases and things like that. Uh, others will say uh, that um, he was basically uh, rubbed, basically, by olive, uh, olive oil, I should say. Uh, in other words, he was uh, anointed by oil. Others will say, well, because he was anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit and things like that. Uh, so, but the true meaning of the title is not given. Obviously, Jesus himself, actually, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 41, made the argument and made the case that the Messiah is not just the descendant of uh, David, but he is actually divine, asking the Pharisees, for instance. And, um, you know, let, let's go there, if you like, if you have a Bible with you. Um, I would like for you to go to Matthew the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, and let's read together in there. In uh, I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. When we get there, Jesus was asked three different questions in that particular chapter. Now he asked the question. He says, whose son, basically, is the Christ? In verse, uh, verse 41, so Matthew 22, uh, 22, verse 41, Jesus is saying, Now, uh, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Notice, the Christ. There is a definite article here. He's not just a Christ. He is the Christ. Whose son is he? Notice the question. Jesus wasn't saying, who is he? He's saying, whose son is he? Indicating that the son has a father, right? But it is not the father that the Jews thought him to be. Now, that's very powerful here because Jesus is acknowledging his deity and acknowledging he is the Son of God. He didn't say, uh, who is the Christ, and that's it. No, whose son is he? 
So the Pharisees answered, They said to him, The son of David. Now, Jesus, of course, is the son of David. But Jesus wasn't looking just for that answer. He's not just 100% human. He is 100% divine. In verse 43, he answers, He said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord? Saying, in verse 44, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus was quoting directly from Psalms 110 verse 1. Notice what Jesus says. He's saying it's impossible that he's only the son of David when David himself prophesied about the Christ to be much bigger than just a human being. And in verse 45, he makes that answer, conclusion. He says, if then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? He can be his son only. And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Meaning the people, the Pharisees, couldn't answer Jesus' the, Jesus' question. And therefore, they dared not to ask him any more questions because they were stumped by this question that he asked, basically. So the Christ, according to Jesus, is much more than just a human being. He is divine, and he is equal to the Father, and he is the Son of God. Because he's asking, whose son is he? See, that's something that we need to really remember. According to Islam, of course, he's only the son of Mary. That's another thing that uh, basically the Quran talks about. In fact, I would make the argument that when you call someone by the name of his mother, you are really demeaning that person because you are basically discounting the fact that he has a father and therefore he must be a son of uh, basically um, illegitimate child, I should say. Therefore, he's named by the mother only because his father is not known. So that's something for, for us to keep in the back of our mind. So in chapter 3, for instance, of the Quran, verse 34 through 35, uh, he's called. Uh, Isa's mother, Miriam, was the daughter of so-and-so, and Jesus is the son of Mary, basically, uh, mentioned many times in the Quran. Jesus also is called, believe it or not, the Word of God. He is a Word of God, not the Word, I should say. He is a Word of God, but that's that description found in chapter 4, verse 171, caused so many problems for the commentators because the commentators, the Muslim commentators, know that if you are the Word of God or a Word from God, then you are divine because the Word of God is not separate from God, has the same nature as God Himself. That makes Jesus to be divine. Therefore, many of the commentators struggle with this particular description about who is Jesus. Now, let's move on to other things. I mentioned to you earlier that the Quran made the mistake by calling Mary, the mother of Jesus, to be the uh, sister of Aaron and Moses. Why? Because the Arabic way of saying Mary is Miriam. And as you know in the Old Testament, Miriam was the name of the sister of Aaron and Moses, as you find, for instance, in Exodus 6, verse 20. In chapter 19, verse 28... Uh, basically, um, she was actually, uh, according to the Quran, was fostered, was adopted by Zechariah, 
the father of John the Baptist, and uh, she was a virgin when she gave birth to our Lord Jesus Christ. The Quran, of course, calls him Isa and uh, does not acknowledge that he is our Lord. And it says that uh, he, she gave a birth, um, her birth, I should say, wasn't in Bethlehem, was in a different place. So right there we have differences already. The Quran also makes some big claims about Jesus, which is really in the positive, actually. It says that Jesus, actually, one of his miracles is that he spoke almost immediately right after his birth. He began to speak, spoke to his mother. He spoke to the people who accused his, her, his mother of committing idol, uh, adultery. Why, why would you have a child? I mean, we didn't know you're pregnant anyway. That's the idea. And it's almost like the Quran talks about the birth was instantaneous. It's like, you know... Uh, uh, the angel breathed into her, her womb, and she uh, basically had a child, and the child was born. And that's it. Uh, obviously, the Bible talks about a complete term, nine months, basically. And uh, it says also in the Quran that Jesus performed many spectacular miracles. For instance, one of those miracles is Jesus was a creator. He made clay birds, meaning birds shaped from clay, and he breathed life into them. Now, the Quran always claims that only God is a creator and that breathes life, but obviously uh, the Quran comes back and say, well, he did that, but by the will of God. Well, why would God say share his glory with another if Jesus was only a human being? The Quran also says that he gave sight to the blind, that he healed lepers, that he raised people from the dead, so all of those things are mentioned about who Jesus is. But there is another problem. It says that Jesus actually came to pave the way and foretell about the coming of another prophet after him, and that's Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, according to the Quran, of course. Well, that would be a problem because then Jesus will be contradicting himself because Jesus says no prophets will come after him. And then he says, the prophets that will come after me are false Christ and false messiahs, actually. Uh, and, and false prophets who will make claims in my name, but n- he never that mentioned that an authentic, genuine prophet will come after him simply because the Bible talks about Jesus being it. He is it. He's the final revelation of God. Therefore, you can see the contradictions between the Quran and the Bible. It also, in the Quran, says that Jesus was never crucified. In fact, when we begin to talk about the different objections that Muslims will raise concerning the uh, person of Christ and concerning also the ministry of Christ, which the most powerful part of that ministry is his crucifixion, we will examine that one verse, a lonely verse found in chapter 4 of the Quran, verse 157, that denies all of the tons of evidence that we have from the Bible and outside the Bible that Jesus was crucified. We'll examine it, we'll critique it, and we will show that the Quran doesn't really make a strong case denying the historiosity of the crucifixion. And then, of course, um, uh, it, it actually claims that Jesus wasn't crucified, but rather he was brought up to heaven, that he's still alive in heaven, that he will be coming back in the future as a sign of the end times. And the only problem is that when Jesus comes back, he is not going to come back as the Jesus of the second coming that you and I are expecting, 
according to the Bible or according to the book of Revelation, for instance, or the New Testament or the Old Testament. But nevertheless, he's coming back as a Muslim prophet who, believe it or not, is going to invite Christians and Jews to accept Islam as their faith. He will destroy the cross and the churches. He will kill all the pigs in reference to the fact, according to Islam, that Christians like to eat pigs and pork. So definitely he is a Muslim prophet, will rule under Sharia law. And if Christians and Jews refuse to accept Islam, it says that Jesus actually will kill those Christians and Jews that will refuse to accept Islam as their faith. So this is basically what's going on here when it comes to the teaching of Islam about who Jesus is. In fact, uh, you know, uh, Christians and Jews uh, could not be freed from their ignorance about their understanding about Jesus and the Messiah until Muhammad basically emerged and he brought the Quran as a clear evidence about what's going on. So God waited 600 years basically to clarify things that were being misunderstood by the Christians and the Jews. I mean, that, that, that's a question that needs to be asked. Why would God wait that long time basically misleading so many generations of Christians who believed that Jesus was crucified and died for their sin and rose again for their justification? The Quran also says that Muhammad was God's gift to the Christians to correct their misunderstandings, that they should accept Muhammad as God's messenger. And the Quran as his final book and revelation. We read this, for instance, in chapter 5, verse 15, chapter 57, verse 28, chapter 4, verse 47, that some Christians and Jews are faithful and believe truly in Muhammad, and they will submit to the God of Islam by accepting the messenger of Islam, Muhammad, and will become Muslims. We read about this, for instance, in chapter 3. Verse 113, 114, chapter 3, verse 198. And uh, basically, uh, those um, who refuse um, uh, basically to accept him, uh, they will be the enemies of Islam. And they will be fought first by uh, the Muslims and then later by Jesus himself. In fact, some of the Jews and the Christians... Um, um, who do not accept him, are called transgressors. And in fact, uh, the Quran also talks about some of the Christians and the Jews were righteous people. And uh, uh, basically um, lived a righteous life uh, and became true believers by accepting Muhammad. But others uh, who were monks and rabbis were so greedy that they wanted money from people and therefore prevented them from knowing about Islam and Muhammad and accepting him as the final revelation. All of this is mentioned in the Quran. And those Christians and Jews who disbelieved in Muhammad will go to the hellfire. We find something like this in chapter 98, for instance, verse 6. A Muslim should not take Christians or Jews as friends, according to chapter 5, verse 51. They must fight against Christians and Jews. I mean, contrast this, you know, with the message uh, that is uh, basically uh, brought up to us in Luke chapter 2. 
Here is the angels basically making the announcement about the birth of, of Jesus. And it says in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, and therefore the, consens- uh, the census um, basically uh, that led both Joseph and Mary uh, to go to Nazareth and to fulfill basically uh, the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. And then after his birth, the angels um, appeared to the shepherd, and it says, in the, uh, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field. This is chapter 2 of Luke, verse 8. Keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. These are the shepherds. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddle, clothed, and lying in a manger. He will be wrapped in uh, swaddling clothes uh, and lying in a manger, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased, meaning God is pleased with. Peace to those who follow him. Peace to those who accept him, basically. Can contrast this, please, with what the Quran is teaching, actually, that there is actually no peace that will be coming to those people. Uh, as a result of the birth of Muhammad and the coming of Muhammad. They'll be uh, fighting. They'll be killing. They'll be annihilating for those who actually reject him. And the fact that they were actually living a uh, basically uh, um, misunderstanding for 600 years, that Islam came to correct that misunderstanding about the person of Christ and who he was, and that if they refuse to accept Muhammad as the final revelation from God, they will go to hell. Where is peace in here? I'm not seeing any peace. I'm not reading any peace compared to the teaching of the Bible and the message of the Bible. That's if indeed the Quran is a continuation of those messages. Also, uh, the Christian believes, uh, according to the Quran, uh, Christians are commanded not to believe that Isa, meaning Jesus, was the Son of God. The Quran denies his sonship and is far removed also uh, from his transcendent majesty, it says, uh, in chapter 4, verse 171, uh, it says that um, it is far, uh, I would say the Quran says it's far removed from the transcendent majesty of God that he should have a son. And it says also that Isa or Jesus was simply a created human being and a slave of God. You find these things, for instance, in uh, uh, chapters like uh, chapter 4, verse 172, chapter 3, verse 59. And also Christians are claimed by the Quran to believe in a family of gods. In other words, the Trinity in the Quran is completely different than the doctrine of the Trinity that is taught in the Scripture, in the Bible. According to the Quran, the Trinity is a family of a father, God the Father, God the Mother, and God the Son, which is completely different than what the Bible teaches, which we truly reject also because that's not what we believe in anyway. And you find this false trinity mentioned in the Quran in chapter 5, verse 116. Well, 
when we come back um, uh, next week, we are going to continue with providing you with different backgrounds about the Islamic view of Jesus. This time we're going to look also at the hadith and the teaching of the Prophet of Islam about who he is. Hope you're enjoying this new series about uh, the Lord, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, of course, in light of this season, uh, Christmas. And I want to compare and contrast basically both biblical view and Islamic view on the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. As always, thank you for listening to, uh, to our show. This is Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and you can always go and visit our website, sirainternational.com, C-I-R-A international.com, and you can listen to all of the previous episodes on our archive under Let Us Reason and watch many of our videos and other material on that website. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.